This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program. Welcome to the Future of the Business World, the podcast featuring youth innovators from around the world. I'm Diana Drake with the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. This summer, Wharton Global Youth has welcomed hundreds of high school students back to the Wharton School to participate in our dynamic business and finance programs. Today's guest has had the unique experience of studying on both coasts with us in recent weeks as a student in our Leadership in the Business World program on Wharton's Philadelphia campus, as well as in our new Essentials of Innovation program on Wharton's campus in San Francisco. Cornelius Suhartono is a 17-year-old from Jakarta, Indonesia. He's going to dazzle us with details of his clothing line, the metaverse, his coast-to-coast adventures, and more. Cornell, thank you for joining us on Future of the Business World. Hi, Ms. Drake. Um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I just finished my lecture with Professor Rai here in San Francisco. So yeah, I'm happy to talk. Excellent. We're excited to hear more about Essentials of Innovation. But first, a little more about you. You describe yourself as a young Indonesian fashion enthusiast. What captivates you about fashion? Yeah, that's a great question. Something that I really like about fashion, I, I think it's a it's a way for people to express themselves, right? And I I view fashion as an art. I think it's an art that you could wear and something, it's a statement piece that you can express to your friends, family, or actually like anyone that sees you. I want to know a little bit more about your clothing line. It's called Kine, K-I-N-E. <laughs> when exactly did you start it? And you say it's about helping teenagers become the best versions of themselves. What exactly do you mean by that? Okay. Okay. So Kine is a fashion line that I run. and I've been working on it since late November 2020. Uh, we officially launched around June. We actually launched 4th of June. And yeah, so when I talk about like helping teenagers become the best version of themselves, it's because for kind, every collection is different. We don't have like a specific genre of fashion, you know, like some other fashion brands here are specific to, let's say, streetwear or Y2K. But for kind, it's like every single collection is always a different theme. And because of that, it's catered not just for a specific segment, of teenagers is for literally everyone. And even like, if you're not a teenager, a lot of my customers, they're like 30 year olds or 40 year olds, they still wanna embrace their versions of their use with Kine. And another thing with Kine is, I first started it because I'm from an international school in Indonesia. And there's this thing with like international students, they weren't proud with local Indonesian products. It was very rare to see Indonesians that come from international schools to wear local products. That's because they think, oh, if it's a local Indonesian product, it's probably fake or it's probably copying another brand. But that's absolutely not true. There's like this thing where people think just because a product is from Indonesia, the quality is bad. But little they know is that like big brands, like big fashion brands, they actually have manufacturers in Indonesia. So when I first started Kine, uh, that was the mission. So my first mission was to get people in my school to wear my brand. It's the first step for international students to wear Indonesian products. So I took a lot of time designing. And finally, now we're here. A lot of people wear their brand in my school. And now other schools are starting to follow. So it's a good trend to see. 
That's great. I love that nod to authenticity. And how do you sell it? Do you sell it through Instagram? Do you sell it online? I sell it mainly on Instagram. Most of our sales are from Instagram. Uh, we also have a website. But in Indonesia, most people love Instagram. So most of our sales were from direct messages. We also had a pop-up in one of Indonesia's most prominent fashion exhibitions. It's called Urban Sneaker Society. I managed to get a booth there. And I think we were the youngest brand to be there because like all the other brands have been in the business for like four years, five years, some even decades. So we were very happy to be like the newest fashion brand to be in that exhibition. And I remember we actually sold out. We sold out off all our stuff there. And do you, you mentioned your affinity for art. Do you design your clothing? So I love art. I, I love like, for example, James Terrell. I love all the modern artists. I'm also a photographer, but something about me is that I can't draw. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm a really bad drawer. Like I can't paint, I can't draw, but like I appreciate it, but I just can't do it. I remember like my first few designs, I designed them in Notability. <laughs> it's an app to take notes from lectures, but I use it to just draw some like sketches. I have a lot of mood boards in my iPad. So I just sketch, sketch, sketch. And even <laughs> they're very, very bad. So what I did was I outsource my designs from freelancers. So I would have an idea, I would have like a draft on what I want in a specific piece, and they would usually like professionally finalize it digitally. That's great. I, I love it. I hope you weren't doing too much sketching while you were supposed to be listening to that. But you know, <laughs> that's another conversation for another time. So you're, you're currently in California participating in Wharton Global Youth's first ever Essentials of Innovation program, as we mentioned, on the San Francisco mm. campus. And I'm curious what you've been learning about innovation and how you might apply some of your new knowledge to your own entrepreneurial ventures. Yeah. So, by the way, I love this program. It's very fun. It's very, very different. You actually get to know a lot about the city and your peers, faculty. So yeah, I think two main points I want to go on about innovation that I think are very valuable for everyone who's interested in business. The first thing is that I remember Professor Rai told the class was to not let your emotions go over your logic. And like, I resonate with that because like even with my fashion brand, there were times where I would be too emotionally connected to a certain like product or design. Like I remember that we had this one sweater that I love so much and I put so much effort in. It took like eight months off like manufacturing it because like there were a lot of like errors and trials that were in the process. So that took so long. Like in my brain, I knew that it was kind of like out of the season, like it wasn't a trend anymore, but it's because I was so like emotionally connected to it. Like I wanted to sell it so bad. So I did sell it and not surprisingly, we didn't sell out. It was pretty hard to sell it. But yeah, and I mean, now we sold, we sold that piece, but like back then it took so much effort, so much time. So that was a very good lesson that I learned from my experience and also from Professor Rai is to not let your emotions go over your logic. Second thing is he mentioned that oh, like people that are beginning to create their own startups, they should also focus on their knowledge and expertise or find people with knowledge and expertise. Because a lot of times, 
people they tend to create a product and businesses because they're just passionate with it which is very crucial but what they sometimes overlook is knowledge and expertise you need to have knowledge and expertise on the certain business you're developing for it to succeed and without that is it, get, it gets pretty chicken and oftentimes it will fail so that's something that professor Rye deeply explore in class so yeah that was uh, very very helpful you also participated in our Leadership in the Business World program this summer, as I mentioned, on Philadelphia's Wharton campus. Did you have a great takeaway there about leadership that you might want to share with some of your peers around the world? Oh, yeah, yeah. LBW. Oh, I actually missed that program. So, yeah. Um, so our professor, it was Flavio. He, uh, for the entire three weeks, there was one thing that I think is very, very important, not just in business, but in life. That one thing that he like always talks about is empathy. So he explained that even in business, empathy is very, very crucial. And he also demonstrated research and evidence that with more empathy, shareholders will actually benefit from that. You'll actually get more sales with an empathy internally in the team of the business. So yeah, it's just like treat people the way you want it, you know, be nice, especially in business, especially your team, you need to care for your employees, you have to care for your team, your partners, care for your boss. I think empathy is very, very important and something that everyone should focus on. Very good. Yes, I'm a, a huge proponent of talking about emotional intelligence as well as IQ. So I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm going to totally pivot here away from empathy and instead <laughs> go, go more toward uh, the future of finance, I guess. I've heard you are an NFT enthusiast. Have you invested in one or more non-fungible tokens? And tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, yes. So NFTs, I remember around 2020, during the end of 2020, my uncle was really into art, like physical art. He sent me this one article about NFTs and I was like, and he was talking about about it. And I was like, huh, that's kind of stupid. Why would people invest in pictures for money when you know you could screenshot it? That's what I thought. But then so then that led me to a deep, deep research about the technology. And it was actually way more deep into that. Like it's about blockchain technology and everything, cryptocurrency. So it was very fun. So the first NFT I bought was this I, I think i still have it it was this gif of like a person swinging and back then uh, the nft craze was like actual art like not just like those profile pictures of those apes that you see on twitter but it was like actual art but digitalized so i was focusing on that i bought my first nft but uh, the, the next week, I, I lost my money from that. So I guess it was a good lesson for me. And then I remember I had a break because I was like, oh, my God, NFTs, it wasn't, it was a scam, blah, 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 Wait, blah. Wait, back up a minute. How did you end up losing your money in a week? Um, did you try to resell it or how, how much did you pay <laughs> for it? And how did you end up losing it? Okay, so... So I remembered I used my own money. It was $900. And I thought, oh my God, this was such a steal because this NFT yesterday went for $1,000. So, oh my God, I'm going to make so much money on this because I'm buying it cheaper than the secondary market. Then I bought it. Then 
the next day it went to 980 and I was like, oh my, oh, this is just this normal and it's not a, it's not an actual dip. Then I went day after day after day checking the price and yeah, it went down, down, down and down. So I guess that connects to professors of rise lesson about to not get emotional. So that's very, I learned that to not get emotional over an NFT and just think logically, if you think it's going down a bit, it's better to lose a bit of money rather than a lot of money. So yeah, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. So did that totally turn you off about NFTs or have you become smarter about it? Yeah. So I remember I took a break about like almost a year, actually, like maybe eight months. Then I saw a huge NFT craze, like board apes and everything. I was like, oh my God, this again. <laughs> but like, I thought it was a bit different, right? Because like back then when I first started my NFT journey, it was mainly uh, digital pictures of art, like actual art. But this time it was profile pictures of like apes, of like pixelated people. And I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. So it's all about marketing this. Um, so I was interested in it. You know, I did research a lot of research, especially because I was traumatized with my past NFTs. Then I started to I started to purchase another NFT. Um, and then what I learned was that NFTs doesn't give you value in just money, but it gave me value off a community. So I remembered I got one NFT then because I was, um, you know, I had knowledge on the field. I was able to access a broader community of NFT enthusiasts in Indonesia. I was able to connect with people. As time moved on, my friends in the NFT space started to make their own NFTs. And I, I used to be able to, like, for example, like purchase them before anyone else. And that gave me a huge advantage. Um, for example, one of my friends, he's about like on his late 20s, he made this NFT, which I think a lot of people in this podcast listening might know, is called Karafu. So when he told me about it, I was like, oh, wow, this is an amazing NFT. So then I talked to him and I invested in one before everyone else did. So I invested in one, then I kept it. Then as days goes by, it went, I purchased it for about, let me think, maybe two, $300. Then literally on the next day, it went up to a spike of $15,000. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, I, I, have a, I had a picture of an orangutan and you're telling me that's worth $15,000. So I was shocked. And because again, so because I had that NFT, um, I was able to connect with other people in the, in the community. So for me, uh, my priority until now with NFTs is not to just like buy an NFT, flip it, buy an NFT, flip it to make money, but it was rather getting NFTs to create a network. Cause like right now, NFTs is still on the early stage. So I think it's very vital to use this as an advantage to, you know, connect with who I think might be like the leaders of the NFT market in the future. So yeah, that's my story about NFTs. I'm just really intrigued that you're already involved in what has come to be called Web3, right? You were just mentioning that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the kind of broader vision for Web3 is that blockchains and digital assets like NFTs can create more open and decentralized foundations for online activity. I'm curious what excites you about this new reality and the opportunities it provides. 
Ooh, yeah, there are a lot of opportunities um, in the in the Web3 space. But the problem is when people think of Web3, they just think of like, you know, those apes. <laughs> like it's always those apes, like the NFT apes, but it's way, way deeper than that sample. Like I'm interested in the blockchain technology and the NFT technology. Um, that's because like, for example, NFTs and blockchain, you're able to transfer a certain amount of money in a matter of seconds, way faster than a bank. And it's also decentralized. And also there's like this thing with royalties, for example. So with NFTs, how NFT owners make money, they will make NFTs. And when they sell it to the secondary market, you know, each time that person resells their NFT, they get a royalty. And that's what I'm interested in that can be achieved with blockchain technology. It's like a smart contract where you can transfer money in a matter of seconds and you can split it into royalties in a matter of seconds. It's very efficient. So I'm interested in that. What are your future plans for Kine? Okay, so my future plans for Kine right now is like, I'm trying to go international. So, so right now I'm focusing locally, focusing just Indonesia, my hometown. But we're trying to expand to Southeast Asia, Singapore, Malaysia, get the market there and also expand potentially even in the U.S. Because like in the U.S., the culture here, a lot of there are a lot of teenagers are into fashion and into exploring their sense of fashion. So there's a huge, huge market there. So right now, that's one of my priorities is to go worldwide and go international. The second thing is with kind. I just wanted to be an example for other teenagers that like, hey, age is just a number just because I was 16 or 15 at the time when I started my line. It shows an example that other people, even younger than me or the same age as me, they could make their own ventures and businesses. So yeah, like because a lot of times I talk to people and they're like, yeah, I have this amazing idea, but you know, I'm still in school. I'm just 16. I don't have time for that. And I don't think people will look up to me or respect me, but I, I just want kind to be an example that yes, it is possible for other teenagers to um, fall through with their passions and make adventures out of it. So yeah, that's the long-term goal for Kine. What has been your biggest challenge with Kine? Oh, my biggest challenge for Kine, it was definitely finding adults that you can trust. Um, let me share my experience with Kine when it first started. I remember this was my second collection because I remember my first collection, it was so well. I was like, oh my God, everything sold out. The quality was good. And then I had this one manufacturer in Jakarta. She was an adult and I talked to her and I was like, hey, oh my God, I love your products. I want to make more. So I remembered I made, I ordered about $8,000 worth of products that I want to uh, manufacture and make. And she sent me a sample. It was like perfect. And I was like, okay, let's, let's make it, let's, let's manufacture all of this. Then all the products got finished being manufactured. Then when I received them, every single piece had an error. It was so bad. The printing was not like professionally done. The tags were everywhere. It was the quality control was so bad. And keep in mind, I, I paid a I paid a bit more money for them to do quality control. But even then, 
so very, very bad. So obviously I couldn't launch all these products. And one thing I learned here was building trust with your manufacturers is something that you should not overlook. Uh, Cause I remember at that time I thought, oh, you know what? Everyone's a professional in this, in the business space, but in reality, everyone's not as professional as you, you may think, um, you know, and even now, like when I remember when I talked to the manufacturer, Hey, can I return them to you? Can you at least like fix them? And she was like, no. Um, and they can't do that. They have the right to that. It's because I, I didn't sign an agreement. So that's one, another lesson I learned is to sign, make contracts or make agreements with your partners before you do anything. I was so sad because like, I remember my first collection, we already broke even. But considering the fact that I had to cover about like $8,000 worth of goods that I could not sell, we went way back down. And I was, I remember those two months, I was really, really sad. I did not know what to do. I was also considered, I, I even considered to quit. So I thought about it and I was like, oh my God, I need to make money back at least to break even again, or at least close to break even. So I worked, worked, worked. I didn't plan to give up because that's my thing. I was like, I'm never going to give up. I'm a competitive person. So I reached out to people and that's when I reached out to Urban Secret Society, the fashion exhibition in Indonesia. And I was like, hey, I'm 16, but I can provide you products that are way way better than your expectations and then they they gave me a shot and from that i invested a bit more to make more goods obviously not as much as the one i planned to intend because i lost a lot of money from there then i made more goods then thankfully we sold out we sold out in two days so one question i'd like to ask all our guests on future of the business world is if you could change one thing in the world what would it be one thing, I, I guess it will be people's mindset. I think that's something I would want to change. I think the world will be much more efficient, better if everyone's mindset is to, like what, what LBW taught me is to be empathetic. A lot of people, they overlook that. You know, like everyone knows like being nice is good, but they, didn't, they don't take that seriously, especially even in the business space. Let's wrap up with our lightning round. Try to answer these quickly. One of the best new technologies to emerge during the pandemic. Ooh, I, I still think the NFT technology and the blockchain technology. Something about Indonesia that you want everyone to know. Indonesia has, like, personally, I think it has the best food ever. We have, like, thousands of islands in Indonesia. You know, it's an archipelago. So each island has their own food. So you can imagine how many different kinds of foods they provide. Your favorite Wharton San Francisco memory so far. Definitely visiting Salesforce Tower. It was really fun. We had the opportunity to go there, you know, talk to the people that's part of Salesforce. And we even went all the way to the top of the tower, which I believe is like the tallest tower in San Francisco. So we had an amazing view of the city. Define entrepreneurship in five words or less. Making life easier and happier. You are starting your own talk show. Who is your first guest and why? (laughs) Definitely Robert Greene. Robert Greene is an author. If you haven't read him, you should. He's amazing. You know, he wrote 48 Laws of Power, 
laws of human nature and his books like helped me throughout the different pathways in life like from relationships between family friends and to even future relationships with people and even in business he's very very helpful and he inspired me so like yeah i would just probably ask him things like you know what triggered his epiphanies of tricks which he wrote in his books like like how did he come up with these tips and laws because like to me they are actual laws and it they work every single time like i feel like he has like the laws for life literally something about and also something about his personal life that's something i'm always interested in cornell thank you so much for joining us on future of the business world it's been great getting to know you a little better right thank you so much miss drake and i'm happy to be here Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at globalyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.